Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established, co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup of the Year community. And this very podcast, we're excited to be back. We took a little break there for a second, but uh, we're going to be back with a whole other season of interesting interviews and topics as we try to help all the startup founders and entrepreneurs out there with our podcast. Today's actually a really uh, interesting podcast for me. I feel, feel like it's an important topic that um, is so- sometimes often overlooked, um, one that's become, um, you know, I guess more, it's gotten more attention lately. Um, and it's the, the focus is really mental health. Mental health is such an important aspect of starting and running a business. And, uh, you know, one that, you know, not everyone thinks about, but there's such stress and pressure put on startup founders uh, out there just due to the uncertainty and, you know, financial pressures and everything else, obviously put on themselves because they're starting a company, but still it's a lot to take on and you have to be prepared for it mentally. Um, there's also isolation that happens. Um, you've got a small team you're working with. You're not, you're kind of in your own silo. You've got startup founders that may or may not want to communicate with their investors because they're worried about it uh, impacting them. They don't want to necessarily communicate publicly because it could impact their company in some way. So everyone's kind of in their own little cave, if you will, isolated, and it can be really, really um, you know, hard. So I think it's important to remember that. And, you know, you've got these also this roller coaster of emotions, this emotional fluctuation, if you will, that is unpredictable uh, in startups. And you got these really high highs and really low lows, obviously, all of which could impact your mental health. And then you're now blurring, you're working your a lot, you're getting this going, it's not going to be easy. And you're probably, um, you know, blurring lines between personal and professional, maybe working sometimes too much. And uh, that can also cause, you know, you, you to struggle and struggle to keep, you know, those two things apart, your personal and professional lives. There's such a blur there. And then also, you know, just having, you know, all these things happening at once can actually impact your decision making, which also influences your leadership uh, abilities. And so there's all these different things. And at the end of the day, it can put you in a really tough spot. Um, It can put you in a situation where you have burnout or potentially even uh, worse. Um, Suicide rate in this country is very high, especially this year. Uh, It's gone up. And so I think it's something to think about. Um, Everyone out there, you know, could be suffering in silence. And so we all need to have a little bit more empathy. And uh, that's why I wanted to talk about this, this topic. I think it's important for everyone out there um, and maybe it'll help some people that are listening. All right. So with that in mind, I'm excited to talk to Rich Belsky today on the Start Your Podcast. Rich is uh, somebody I've known for over a decade. He was living in downtown Las Vegas when I was, uh, you know, when we were working with uh, Tony Shea and the Downtown Project. Uh, we used to do a lot of events. Tony ended up investing in our company and uh, helped us grow it. And he was also investing in a lot of different startups, one of which was Rich's company, uh, Rolltech. And uh, he he grew that company and eventually it got acquired. And, um, you know, now he's kind of moved on and he's tackling something that he's seen now firsthand with a number of founders. And uh, he's going to talk about that a little bit. But, um, you know, something, as I mentioned earlier, could be brushed aside as in our, you know, always connected hustle first kind of fast paced world that everyone is living in. And not to say that's really not the way that we need to be living, but that seems to be the way that we're getting pushed. So. 
he recently started a company called Crevo. It's an entrepreneurial wellness consultancy focused primarily on early stage startup founders and CEOs. Um, so entrepreneurs and, you know, even corporate leaders that are um, doing other larger businesses, you know, mental state is so important, as I mentioned earlier, in, in business and leadership and just in life in general. So, um, you know, he's really taking this interesting strategic approach where um, you're using energy management training to help um, leaders identify and avoid um, and manage breakdowns and, and potentially uh, challenging environments. So getting headstrong, getting your head strong, getting healthy there to be able to handle these situations as they do seem to come up <laughs> a lot in startup land and in world and the world, right? Um, and so it's an important conversation. And so, you know, we're gonna be talking about it here in a second, but before we do, uh, I wanted to mention a couple of things. We're gonna be going to CES again uh, this year. Uh, we'll be working with the CTA Foundation and there's a pitch competition that we're helping uh, produce again for like I think the fifth or sixth year here and, uh, at Established. And so, um, as part of that, there's going to be an interview with the winner and some of the other folks that are involved. So there'll be an interview on the Start of the Year podcast here shortly. So that's exciting for, for that. And uh, if you're going to CES, go check it out. It'll be in Eureka Park um, and it'll be happening um, in Eureka Park midweek. Uh, and so if you get if you are going to CES, uh, check, check out the schedule. It's the CTA Foundation's pitch competition. Um, and so you'll want to want to definitely see the companies. It's really it's focused on health and wellness as well. And so um, that's something you'll want to want to check out. And we can drop in the show notes a link to the uh, actual registration or actually timing of that event where the details are, are held. Anyway, so that's coming up. And uh, aside from that, uh, we also are starting to plan our South by Southwest uh, excursion or we had a pitch competition last year and a lot of great events and a lot of great content for the Start of the Year podcast as we did live interviews there. So that'll be kind of getting set up here shortly. We're looking at doing events uh, down there uh, the weekend of Interactive. So mark your calendars for that weekend in March. Uh, so that'll be coming up. We'll be sharing more details. If you're interested in getting involved in supporting something, you maybe came to an event last year or you've got an idea where you want to actually get involved this year, please do reach out um, to us. Um, you can just reach out to, um, well, you can reach out to, reach out to me. I'm at Frank Gruber on every, pretty much every social channel as well as even LinkedIn and love to hear from you um, and basically uh, find out what you're interested in doing. Uh, there's also, you know, there's abilities that we, we do do events in partnership with cor different corporations and, and larger brands as well as smaller as well as ESOs and, um, and whatnot. So reach out if you're interested, if it, it sounds interesting at all to you. Um, and as, as I mentioned, it'll probably be that weekend of the 8th, 9th, 10th uh, of March coming up. And then finally, uh, we're also, we got a lot going on right now. We, we're also in the process of, of laying out our summit, which if you want more information uh, on our Startup of the Year Summit, go to summit.startupofyear.com. You can learn more about what, what we're doing. Um, if you're a startup founder and you want to get involved in that, we do bring some of the top companies from our community out to the event, which we'll be announcing the location soon. It'll be happening in April, so that's coming up. And... Uh, if you're a startup, like I mentioned, apply today. You can get a, get more involved in what we're doing, and we'll be sharing more details here very soon, very soon. So very excited about that. Lots to, lots going on in the startup of the year world, and as we kind of rev up for 2024. Wow, can't even believe it. All right, so let's jump into this conversation as we focus on a very important uh, you know thing, which is managing your mental health and wellness so that you can make better decisions, be a better leader, you know, and most importantly, not break down. All right, let's jump in and talk to Rich Belsky from Crebo. 
All right, I'd like to welcome uh, Rich Belsky. He's an old friend from Las Vegas. He's a new company. He's got a company called Crevo. So great to have you here, Rich. Thanks for being here today, and especially on today. I know it's been a busy week for you. <laughs> Frank, thank you so much. It's it's wonderful to connect with you again like this. Uh, man, I think the last time we did one of these, we were both just young bucks in the Vegas community. It was wait, wait, wait. We're still young South bucks. By... What are you talking about? Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. You're right. You're right. We are. Uh, but yeah, South by Southwest. I think 2012. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Tech Cocktail back then, and Roll Tech for me. Um, but it's just, it's just so wonderful to be back with you again. Thank you for having me. And you've got a new, a new startup outside of Creva that just literally launched this week. Can you talk about it real quick? Uh, yeah, that that we 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 refer to that as baby as a startup, so we'll call it Bass. How about that? <laughs> um, yeah, so I uh, just came home with my son uh, uh, yesterday from the hospital, and so last night was the first night in the house, and you know my wife Jess and I are just working through all of those early baby things and figuring it out, our flow, like, where is this thing in the house? Like last night was, where's the, therm where's the thermometer? He won't stop crying. Should we check his temperature? And we're like, ah, oh, where is it? Anyway, yeah. So yeah. baby has a startup in full effect, um, but it's just, it's so wonderful. And it's a beautiful thing, even in the midst of the challenges. And um, yeah, I'm grateful for the tools I've developed over the years and, and my wife too, uh, to be able to kind of handle, uh, you know, deep challenge in the midst of a bunch of other stuff going on uh it's an area of passion for mine and uh for me and so it's it's getting put to the test right now i can tell you that much well congratulations you're glowing i can see it you're so excited and <laughs> i'm sure you're exhausted but appreciate you jumping on today to talk about sure. what you're up to and it's um it's a great segue i think for for what you're doing so for those unfamiliar can you just share a little bit more about what you're doing with crevo and and for the listeners who may not know and, uh, you know, obviously you already kind of jumped into a little bit of a preview. So love to yeah. hear people get a better sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the roots of Grivo um, came a long time ago. Um, I'm a veteran of uh, a bunch of startups over the years. But in Vegas, when I was doing Rolltech, which was how we met through that community uh, with Tony and uh, the downtown Vegas community, um, it was challenging. We, we handled a really tough technical challenge. Um, and, uh, it was also at that time married and, you know, just the regular life things. And, um, I, I had always kind of committed to personal wellness, uh, in the midst of entrepreneurial journey. Uh, but as things pop up in the entrepreneurial journey or in life, especially, um, you know, it, bumps in the road come. And as an entrepreneur, you are still responsible for, uh, you know, taking care of your team, for being a good leader, for being a community member, uh, for being an excellent steward of your investors' money, and and just all of the things that go along with running a company and uh, and doing so in a good conscious way. Um, and so for for me, I was deep into yoga, became a certified yoga instructor, which really helped me. Um, avid meditation practitioner, and um, it, but still, even with all of that. Uh, I felt the need to further develop my ability to recognize when the challenges were arising and what to do with those challenges. Um, and the foundation of what um, I kind of teach and how I practice it in my life is actually based on a quote by Viktor Frankl. Um, it's kind of known as the stimulus response quotes. It goes like this, in between stimulus and response, there's a space in that space is our power to choose our path, and in that choice lies our growth and our freedom. 
And so creating space is at the base of kind of uh, the idea around CREVO. So CREVO stands for Create, Evolve, uh, kind of smash together. And the idea is that when you learn how to create the space and know what to do in it, then you can evolve your reactions, your thinking around um, both whatever that trigger is and the multitude of other things that might be going on in life. And so the roots of Crevo happened when I was working with Rolltech and uh, I was mentoring other companies. Uh, I served as a mentor for um, some of the accelerators that were happening in Vegas. Uh, I um, Community is deeply important to me. So I was working with other entrepreneurs and founders and um, developed just a deep sense of fulfillment uh, in sharing some of the things that had worked for me. And so fast forward uh, a bunch of startups and a lot of years and uh, I've decided that um, this work is so important and so deeply fulfilling, especially in the face of some of the things I'm sure we'll talk about here, which are some of the reasons why entrepreneurs don't seek that type of help and why there is such a prevalence of uh, mental and, and emotional dysregulation in the startup community and the entre uh, entrepreneur community. I decided that it was time to focus on this fully. And so I've made that turn in my career. I still view this very much as a startup, but I'm not developing tech or anything like that. This is the matter of um, offering what I know and what I continue to learn uh, in the service of uh, developing leaders and healthier entrepreneurs. Yeah. And were there any pivotal moments? I mean, mental health is is super important, right? And not just for building startups, but just in life in general. So what were kind of the pivotal moments where you're like, okay, I, I know my next thing is going to be around this and, and focus on this? Um, thank you for asking that. Yes, I, I think it, it started um, in, in our community in Vegas, as you lived through, we lost uh, several uh, of our community members to entrepreneurial related suicide. Mm -hmm. um, and it was you know, deeply challenging to our community. And, you know, these were people that we saw um, nearly every day in one form or another. And uh, as I kind of watched those things unfolding um, and realized that there are ways to help entrepreneurs uh, be willing to share what's going on, that, that was really those experiences, um, living through the loss of some of our community members, provided the the, the foundation and the early pivotal moments for um, developing Crevo. Uh, and then in other startups along the way, you know, you, you work through startups and, and, you know, it's so similar. You see the same types of challenges repeatedly. Mm -hmm. um, you, you come across the kind of same general timelines for when things happen in startups and um, and in my coaching in the earlier days uh, before Crevo was called Crevo when it was just kind of me being of service, um, I would see entrepreneurs responding in the same way and, and start to see the spirals that would lead to potentially deeper challenges. And I've just developed the ability with some of the tools that I, that I teach and how I work with um, some of the founders I work with and entrepreneurs. Um, I, I would see these same triggers over and over again and teaching those entrepreneurs how to manage those triggers and what to do. Each one of those was kind of a, a pivotal moment in the acceleration toward um, developing Crevo into my full-time uh, purpose. So I think to, you know, to summarize, really, it was the it was the loss of community members, the feeling of helplessness and what could we have done 
um, to to help these people, and then the development uh, of tools that um, were are pretty applicable along the entrepreneurial journey, uh, and those are what led me to where uh, where I am today and what I'm trying to do. Great. And could you share a little bit more about like your model? Like for how how would you work with an entrepreneur? How do you find entrepreneurs that need need your support and help? Um, so the general, so the way that I find entrepreneurs is uh, I make myself a part of the community. It, with this type of work, um, it, there's so much trust involved. And uh, I think anybody that's got a desire to help, it, it's a wonderful thing to want to help other people. Um, but just like in therapy, psychology, you know, even medicine, raising a baby, there's experts everywhere. Uh, and I think it's really important um, to work with people that have training in the area that um, that you're looking for assistance. And so... Um, I generally make myself, uh, you know, a part of the community. For example, I'm in Raleigh right now. I, I uh, moved to Raleigh, which is where my wife is from after we got married, and uh, just started attending startup weeks. And when given the opportunity to ask a question or raise my hand, focusing the attention on the challenge of talking about wellness, um, mental, emotional wellness, energetic wellness in the entrepreneurial space. And almost invariably, you bring up a question like that and you can hear like a release from the crowd because so many entrepreneurs feel the same thing. And so uh, I would just start having the conversation, which is really the base of this whole endeavor is let's start a conversation in a real way about how entrepreneurs can find help, assistance and growth within their communities and, and by working with uh, coaches. And so uh, the way that I've kind of in Raleigh uh, developed my clientele has been offering my services um, free of charge to co-working spaces, making myself available, um, using some of the modalities I've learned over my uh, career and my own personal training um, to lead um, circling modalities where you're um, modeling the type of conversation that hopefully entrepreneurs take and then have amongst their own communities, uh, giving entrepreneurs the space to speak freely in a non-judgmental environment, to hear others speaking freely, and to be able to understand that this is completely normal and that there are places to go to be able to kind of release that pressure valve. Mm -hmm. So that's how I, I started developing uh, here in Raleigh, the people that I've worked with. And then once I'm with uh, someone that's interested or a company that's interested, a lot of that depends on where they are as a company, whether I'm helping, say, strictly just the CEO or a management team or even uh, the whole company. My general philosophy is that um, the greatest impact can come from developing healthy leadership. Leadership responding to a situation uh, either in a way that um, facilitates more unhealthy response or being able to respond to a trigger in a way that models the healthy behavior can make the greatest impact. If one leader changes the way they respond to a trigger that may affect three people, the day and lives of those three people then changes and behaviors modeled and it starts cascading uh, throughout those three people's lives and interactions and then beyond that. And so I see it as a true waterfall of wellness uh, an opportunity for growth. And so um, working with the leaders, I generally start off um, by, amongst other things, um, helping to develop a 
personal wellness practice. And that can mean a lot of things for a lot of people. Some people have never tried meditation, for example. And so learning how to maybe take someone that's never tried meditation, uh, almost reforming it out of the concept of meditation and into whatever might be more palatable for that person's uh, worldview. It could be presence, it could be prayer, could be any number of things, but the foundations are relatively the same. How to find presence in the quiet moments so that you know how to apply these things when the pressure amps up a little bit. Um, and so that's really the start is we we presence together. Um, I, I model and teach how uh, it feels to find stillness and presence in those moments. Um, and from that point, we start going into kind of the concept of creating space, which is really the foundation. Um, I, I've kind of touched on it a little bit, like when there's a trigger, what do you do? And that's a lot of work. Um, and the cool thing about, um, well, what I think is cool about the way that I work with uh, a lot of my clients is I kind of call, I call it embedded coaching, which means that I don't just say um, consult with them once a week or once a month. Uh, my preference is to work each day at four or five days a week for shorter periods of time so that as these tools are being taught, as the behavior is being modeled, there's real-time opportunity for application to the challenges that are happening in the entrepreneur's life. Uh, and it, it's amazing to watch it happen because it's it's not easy, some of these things, but as it starts to click, the entrepreneur is like, wow, the reaction that I just got uh, from my team by just for like, for example, just listening, active listening and not responding. So often people just want to be heard. But as leaders, we feel like we have to guide and lead and and direct the conversation. So there's just endless opportunities for applying um, the tools and methods that we work together in to uh, what they're doing in real time. Um, that, it's a really high level overview. The beauty is in the details. Each situation is different. Each entrepreneur comes to coaching with a different background, different experiences that have helped facilitate their own reactions to their triggers. And so it's a matter of identifying where they are, where their company is, and starting to kind of demonstrate and mold healthier behaviors. That's that's great. I, I love the overview. It helps a lot, I think, with I was going to ask you about your techniques. So I think you, you nailed it right there. So appreciate that, that insight. Um, and then obviously, you know, companies come to you and they're working with you. They're going to feel better. Probably that's like a, a, an outcome, right? But what are some of the other ways that you measure, um, measure like success, I guess you could say with something like this? Yeah. So a lot of the success, the, the thing that I like doing the most is I like interacting with the team that's around the leadership. And I encourage the leader to make known to their team that they're participating in coaching. Because I think it's really valuable um, from an authenticity and a vulnerability place to let the team know that the leader is, is focused and concerned about becoming a better leader. And so often um, that leads the team into a place of empathy and support. And so I, I strongly encourage um, uh, the leaders that I work with to let, the, let their teams know. And what I really enjoy doing is encouraging the leader at certain points along the way to interact with the team, to, to elicit responses uh, to some of the behaviors that the team might have noticed have shifted a little bit. Um, so I really enjoy 
um, working with and talking to the teams of the leaders that I work with. So I find that to be really impactful. Um, and some of the other ways that I measure success, uh, like you, you kind of indicated, it's it's about feeling. The the it's the response from the entrepreneur. Uh, I'll I'll tell you um, one of my clients the best the best response I've ever heard in my coaching endeavors was when he told me towards the end of our engagement together, he said, a year ago, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror, let alone where I am now, look at myself and say, I love this guy that I'm looking at. And, And that was one of the most powerful moments of my career because that's what it's all about. Creating a better business, making more money, all of that is fantastic. But businesses, and especially startups, they come and they go but the challenges and opportunities that arise in the midst of the entrepreneurial journey offer endless opportunities for personal development that can be taken into marriages, relationships, fatherhood, motherhood, uh, you know, other entrepreneurial endeavors. And so the the measurements of success are really the uh, application that the entrepreneur um, realizes in their life. And then the feedback that I get as we work through those challenges together. Um, what I would like to do as I move forward, both in Crevo and in um, another endeavor I'm working on called Foundwell, which is more of a, a resource opportunity, a potentially nonprofit, is uh, surveying and really try to get scientific about what uh, these techniques do for both the entrepreneur and for. Uh, the teams around them and for people in their lives. There's studies out there talking about the challenge of mental wellness for entrepreneurs and there's all sorts of content, but there hasn't been a tremendous amount of depth or longitudinal style uh, research around what actually happens in the mind and body and soul of an entrepreneur and the people around them as they're engaging in uh, potentially unhealthy behaviors and how those things build up over time. And so that's something that I really uh, want to do as a next step is to start uh, actively working with teams, with, with leaders and their teams so that we can gather data about the effectiveness of um, the certain things that they're learning and be able to develop a much more kind of comprehensive and science-based approach to the specific challenge of entrepreneurial wellness. No, that makes sense to me. And I, I, f- I feel it because like the biggest, I mean, the biggest thing you're trying to do is make better humans, right? Like at the end of the day, and that'll actually impact a lot of what, what you're doing in the office. Now, you know, You've seen kind of a shift lately you know they've had a lot of crises in the last five years happen in the world <laughs> and so there's a lot more that that could potentially create stress and i'm curious on your take on like some of the things that are happening like there's you've seen a shift to like maybe four day week work weeks in some places i even saw some u.s um states addressing it which is i saw it over in europe and whatnot but i've also now started to see it in the u.s I'm curious if you're if you have a take on that if that's something that could be um, helpful in, in reducing some of the stress and, and be able to handle these things better? That's a really, really interesting question. Um, from, my, from my memory, those the, the study of 40 work weeks around the world, um, productivity doesn't actually go down, right. uh, which I think is really uh, uh, very telling. Um, I think generally the 
the idea, and I don't want to say it's just American culture, but you know, I think the general hustle culture, we'll call it wherever that might exist, is that you know, if you're not working, then you're not being productive, and you are not being the best. Insert here, leader no of society is kind of what I'm. Th- you know, like that's kind of the yeah. night and day approach, right? Like that is that's that is spot on and for me my perspective is it has nothing of course you need to spend time Mm -hmm. in working but whether it's a four-day work week a five-day work week if you can develop a culture in a company that's based in trust and empathy and vulnerability if you can be that type of leader and facilitate that type of culture, days become irrelevant. Uh, uh, one example from uh, from Rolltech, um, we were in the midst of a fundraise and um, I was always very open, um, very o- open books to where our bank accounts were, what our runway was. You know, my team always knew exactly where they stood with me and with the company. Mm-hmm. And during a fundraise, um, we were getting down to the wire runway wise and out of nowhere, my team approached me uh, and offered to delay their paychecks for up to a month mm-hmm. out of just their own desire to be um, generous, empathetic and support the cause. Wow. And it was deeply, deeply moving to me. I didn't ask it. It just was the culture that developed and the idea that if you can be an empathetic, um, well-founded leader, then you're modeling that behavior and developing it in your workforce. And when it's at that point, you know, my belief is you almost don't have to like set days or work hours. That's where this idea of develop your own hours or endless PTO, it's, it's a great idea in theory, but without the right culture, it, it just gets implemented improperly. And so um, I, I believe that there is an imbalance um, in particularly American culture around the concept of work. And it just needs to be reimagined where, you know, as I said, it's not the strict number of hours that you put in, although that's important, it is facilitating the idea of contribution to a cause. And then there is a desire on behalf of the workforce, ideally, to contribute to that cause in the way that facilitates balance for them and uh, and for the company. That's great. And I think the big thing there is that I think in general, everyone kind of needs to address is when is enough enough, right? Because we are so much more productive than we've ever been. We can get so much more done in a day than we used to ever. We used to wait for mail. Like, you know, now it's in, it's in our text messages or our inboxes immediately. You know, we're getting so much. And so it's now like, you know, we can get things done so much faster. So it's a matter of like the work week doesn't really matter anymore. Right. In, in some ways. Right. That was that was old school kind of approach to what you could accomplish in a day or a week. And now it's like we can accomplish that much in a day or an hour, you know, it depends, it depends on what you're trying to do. Right. So I think that's that, that really the productivity increases, I think is, is interesting. We haven't adjusted the timing around it to make that uh, make sense. But um, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think there's culturally, there's some things we need to do in general, but I'm now we're talking about culture in, in companies, you know, obviously living in Las Vegas, being around Tony Shea and Zappos um, for a while, curious on, on your, your approaches and what are some of the things you're, you're sharing with, with founders as they, kind of lay out the groundwork for culture. Well, I think one of the amazing things that that Tony did uh, at Zappos that that really um, it parallels uh, a lot of the things that 
that I'm trying to work with and that we're talking about here is work becomes more than just technical output, right? At Zappos, uh, people were encouraged to be themselves. They were encouraged to show who they were, to develop relationships uh, within the company that were not strictly work-based. And then, of course, Tony took Zappos to Holacracy and the circling modalities and allowing people to participate in the things that they were interested in and good at uh, with other people. Um, I think it, it, it all it moves in the direction of what we're talking about here. Um, because the less that people think of their time at work as punching in, how do I get through these eight to 10 hours or whatever it might be and leave, the less that people can be focused on that. And the more that people feel that work is additive to their life, because there is amazing things about being creative, about social relationships. I think that that's kind of this uh, this concept that's been programmed from previous generations is you go, you punch in, work is work, you come home, family's family. Um, but as you said, uh, with the ability to do so much more with our time and to be so much more efficient if we choose to be, work actually becomes additive. It's just another opportunity for interaction. It's an opportunity for participation in something where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, where you can um, be socially interactive. And I think that's something really great that uh, that Tony did. Um, I think that in the entrepreneurial space, we have this um, this carryover mentality of this, you know, work, 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 work. Plus, the idea of hustle culture has really been um, glorified. And look, you got to work. A startup is hard. I'm, I'm not saying that you don't have to, like, it doesn't require sometimes to work 80 hours a week in order to make a startup work. That sometimes, as you well know, as a veteran of many, that's mm -hmm. just required sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with with taking on the endeavor of a startup and putting that time in. It's just the mindset around it. From if I don't do this, then I'm less than, to look what I get to do to contribute to this whole. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing inherently wrong with the idea of hustle. But hustle culture is founded on the idea that there's something wrong with you if your output is not based on some amount of time working these hours. And I think if we can shift culturally, both within a company and uh, in the workforce at large, the idea of stuffing hours for the purpose of stuffing hours to contribution and opportunities for growth as work is just an opportunity for that. I think not only can we get a lot more done, but we um, just by natural extension, create much greater balance and a much healthier workforce. Yes, uh, that's so true. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of the things that you're doing then that have been most effective. Um, some of the companies that maybe you, have you come into any companies that were like totally in crisis that just like you had to jump in and like spin it around some some rather quickly yeah uh, yes um i have uh and it was one of my uh, most recent clients uh i'm not i'm not sure he would want me to you know to yeah, say because yeah, they yeah they're actually in the in the midst of a sale right now so um 
But uh, when I met this particular entrepreneur, um, young guy, 24 years old, but recognizing um, the ineffectiveness of his leadership from a cultural perspective, he could bust out 12 hour days, no problem, excellent at developing the decks and continuing the relationships. But the culture of his company, they they viewed him as a despot. Um, his when I met him, his concept was that he he had to be a wartime CEO. That was his thing. Some of his startup heroes were wartime CEOs. Um, and this is this was his conception of leadership. And it was having a deep um, effect on his culture to the point where shortly after we started working together, uh, his COO and one of his investors, a very well-known investor, uh, orchestrated a coup. And I'm telling you, like, it's crazy to like, cause you hear about this stuff and like, but I watched it from the internal perspective of this CEO who was watching what he, what he put together as CEO crumble as a result of the unhealthy behaviors that he was modeling and implementing on his team. And so working with him, we had been working together for a few months at that time. Um, and he had started to understand the impact of his behaviors. Uh, and we were working on him as a human first, uh, healthy uh, meditation regimen, understanding his actions, creating space, what to do when you create that space to make a choiceful response, as opposed to, uh, we differentiate in these teachings from between a reaction, which is usually emotional and immediate and without a lot of thought, and generally based on triggers and programming to a choiceful response. And the kind of goal is that over time and practice, the amount of space that you have to to create in order to um, facilitate a choiceful response gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until you're doing it in the moment. That's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. With with this particular client, um, he he had to withstand uh, a, a full on coup attempt from his COO and one of his investors, and it was only because of his application of the things that we had talked about, his vulnerability, his openness, his active listening, some of the other stuff that we that we worked on together, in working with his team in that way. He beat back the coup with 100% support of his company in the face of his uh, rise up of the COO. And so because he had the full support of his staff, he stayed on as CEO. Um, The staff supported him through that coup attempt and the eventual uh, development and sale of the company. And they really, um, he started to see the behavior that he was uh, practicing modeled in the interactions between his staff members. It wasn't perfect, um, mm-hmm. but we were going from very headstrong, wartime style CEO mm-hmm. to completely shifting that. Uh, and so that was, that's probably the, biz- the biggest example is, you know, giving him the tools with which to let his team know the type of leader he wanted to be and the type of person he was beneath the veneer of these glorified culture things, hustle culture, wartime CEO, things like that. Um, and and he was able to continue on and become a very um, effective leader. Wow. So that was quite the transformation then to watch, I'm sure, and to encounter and just work through. 
it, it, I've never seen anything like it. I, you know, you hear about these things, um, but um, you know, he his his deep desire to become a better leader, to become a more effective leader, a better human, to be healthier for himself. Um, it was really powerful to watch, and the kind of catharsis uh, that came from. Um, encountering and managing this coup attempt to how he handled it afterwards um really really powerful and very i mean i learned as much from that situation as he did um because i, I practice what i preach i am you know far from uh, a master of this space i, I think that there's always um going to be opportunity for growth and learning uh in, in uh, particularly as it relates to developing uh, conscious and healthy entrepreneurs, but to see him um, embody these things and to come through it a, a much more grounded and self-loving individual, um, as I said, was was one of the highlights of my entire career. Wow, that's amazing. Um, a great, great testament to the work you're doing. And obviously, there's more than just that entrepreneur out there. So I'm sure there's, you know, lots of entrepreneurs listening and, and out there that could potentially leverage um, this kind of uh, help. And so questions for if you, how do you, if, if people wanted to, like, if you have any other thoughts or anything on young entrepreneurs that are out there, um, is there any advice or thoughts that you'd like to share before we kind of wrap? Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> well, the, the first thing I'll say is um, I, I full, as a, as a multi-time founder, um, I fully understand how, difficult it is to speak up mm -hmm. it i i i've lived through it you you feel hemmed in by your obligations and responsibilities to your team members to your investors particularly you don't want to freak out your team you don't want people to start leaving the company you so to the idea of sharing with your team seems counterintuitive you don't want to look weak. The same, the other one you don't want to look it, weak exactly as and so the weakness actually translates to the venture capitalists and, and investors as well mm -hmm. and this is a whole other side of the equation that is much more challenging it, it probably a conversation for another time but a really important one I, I spoke to a vc friend of mine a couple of months ago and i told him what i was doing and he said yes this is a huge problem and you're right to want to solve it said but his opinion was you're far too early um, there's not the interest in solving this problem yet. And that response, you know, it really indicates the problem, right? Because I think venture capitalists can say, yeah, nine out of 10 of our investments are going to fail. And I can respond and say, well, do you think that a healthier CEO gives the company a better chance of succeeding? And it's hard to say no to that question. And so if a healthier CEO makes a better chance of succeeding, then can't you see how investing resources in the wellness of a CEO can better your chance of having a successful investment? And it's almost kind of like blank stares. Yeah. Um, and I don't really, I don't really understand that because to me, it's it's just so obvious. Um, and so I think that that's another conversation that needs to happen. And that's why, like, I understand VCs, they they are. Um, they're venture capitalists based in capitalism. It's about making money, uh, and and uh, but I don't. I'm not deterred from trying to make efforts to facilitate 
growth in this area. I would certainly love to have the support uh, of of that community. And there are um, waves being made, particularly in the UK. There are some funds that are really starting to focus on founder wellness, mm-hmm. um, which I think is fantastic. Um, but it is hard to get back to your question. It, it is really challenging. You don't know where to turn. You can't. You don't want to speak to your team. You don't want to speak to your investors. Speaking to family, at least for me, it was like I don't want to burden my family, right. and so you end up you end up looking around, and it's like, where do I go with this? And so, uh, the one thing I want to say is, of course, this is what I do. Um, this is my passion. Uh, it's driven by a desire to facilitate wellness in the entrepreneurial space to create better leaders and to create healthier workforces. So I, um, I would love to speak to any entrepreneur out there that is feeling this, particularly uh, an entrepreneur that is in that space of feeling hemmed in. Uh, I'm, I'm not a licensed therapist, of course, I, I need to get that out there. Um, but I have a lot of experience and I am trained in a lot of modalities. And so I am here. Uh, and I also have uh, a lot of resources uh, of places that I can send people that um, maybe want to work with uh, a female coach or are interested in hypnotherapy as a modality. I mean, I have a lot of places that um, I can and am happy to send uh, uh, entrepreneurs or people for whom I'm not necessarily the best um, uh, the best person. So I would say reach out. Um, one of the things that I do here in the Raleigh community uh, is I do what I call entrepreneurial uh, circles. And what that is, uh, is we get together in person. I also uh, live stream it and I follow a modality I've learned in a leadership development training that I'm doing through a group called Core. Uh, and it is modeling the behavior for how to have conversations with others um, where each person just gets the opportunity to speak to people who have their undivided attention. Nobody's coaching each other in that. It is simply a matter of being heard uh, and hearing other people and offering presence to other people. And this is something that uh, I want to start growing into uh, an online um, opportunity where we meet um, we circle together and then we enter into breakout rooms. That's something that'll be coming this coming year, probably through the FoundWell project. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are all things that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would encourage anybody who's li- who's listening that's resonating with this to please reach out and let's have a conversation just to figure out where you're at and how, if and how I can help. And um, the other thing I would say is if you're feeling um hemmed in if you're feeling unwell stressed out it's hard you might be running out of money you might be you know facing difficult employee situations um find people to talk to uh, i am one of those people there are uh, you know meetup groups in a lot of cities around this type of stuff even if it's not the most perfectly run circling modality or active listening modality Find people to talk to, people that you can trust, people that you feel comfortable around. Just the act of opening up can unleash a, a whole lot of pent-up energy. And that is the first step, is to create that space, to find the, the space where you say enough is enough. I'm not going to hold on to this by myself anymore, and I'm going to let some of this out. Um, and and there's, so many, there's so many more things that I could talk about um, that I would love to, but I think the most foundational is 
don't let the pressure build up to the point where you become uh, severely unwell. That's great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rich. This is obviously resonates with a lot of people out there. Um, a lot of people are hiding it. And I appreciate you coming out and sharing this so that people can connect better with you and, and obviously know what to do when they do get in that position. So thank you so much, Rich Belsky. Where can they contact you if they wanted to connect? Yeah. Uh, yeah thank you, Frank. Thank you for having me on. Um, for the opportunity to have this conversation. That's really, that's what I want to do um, is I want to start a real conversation and contribute to the solutions. And I really appreciate the opportunity to to have this discussion with you. Best way to get a hold of me is to email me. It's uh, rich at crevo.com. Crevo is spelled C-R-E-V-O. So rich at crevo.com. Uh, and that's the best way for now. As things develop, uh, I'll be posting more about uh, the Foundwell project and what resources might be available there. Um, and uh, I, you know, I just really appreciate it. And nobody out there should feel hesitant in any way to contact me. I'd be happy to have conversations, um, no matter what it uh, turns into. Uh, I am here, and I am a resource. All right. Thanks so much, Rich. Really appreciate it. All right, Frank. Thank you so much. Well, it was great to have Rich on the podcast. Such a a wealth of information around this topic. And uh, hopefully it was helpful to you and you found this conversation interesting. If you think there's somebody out there suffering in silence or something that maybe you think could find this useful, please do share it uh, with them. We love uh, spreading the word and we want to really help people out there. So uh, please do that. Share the start of your podcast and this link. And uh, hopefully... Uh, we can get uh, get them help if there's need for it, or maybe they just learn something from this podcast. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Appreciate it. Hopefully uh, you're having a great day. And uh, if you do have a startup idea, today is the best day to start up. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going, get it started. And in doing so, join our community. We'd love to have you. Uh, just go over to startupofyear.com. You can get access to support, expert advice, and resources. Well, hopefully you will elevate your startup by simply going to startupofyear.com. That's the place to go and apply. And uh, we would love to have you. All right, until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. Don't forget to hug your loved ones out there. Have a good rest of the year and uh, good luck out there starting up. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.